0: The following is a Just Green production brought to you by the Might Be News Network.
1: Grab his dick and twist it! What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Might Be Brews, episode 48. The podcast where we explore the people, places, and brews of the craft beer world. My name is John. With me, as always, Mr. Steve. How are you doing today? I am
0: pumped, you know why? I got 1,000 shares. 1,000 shares of Blockbuster Video. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. We're set up, man, we are set.
1: Yeah. <laughs> do it big, doing it big. You that one?
0: That's what I was supposed to do, right? Is that I think, what I was supposed to do? That's it. That's it, right? That's I will, easy street.
1: I will uh, keep an eye on CNBC PMB, for that in the morning. Uh, the man behind the board producer man my brother taylor what's going on Mike?
2: what's going on everybody happy uh thirsty thursday slash tgif if you're listening to the podcast thanks for tuning in
1: yeah man absolutely and joining us today from trillium brewing company out of massachusetts director of marketing mike dyer how you doing mike
3: thank you guys awesome thanks for having me absolutely man. man
1: Super super excited to chat with you. Um, we're gonna go ahead and pour our first beer. I don't know, um, Mike, what you're sipping on, and uh, you- I'm 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 playing along. with are you? Oh,
0: look at that! Yeah.
1: The essential penknife American pale lager. Now, Whoa! did I see a few different essential um, yeah. style? Is that like a, a line that you have going? It
3: is. It's actually uh, it's a it's a new series that just came out for us this year. And, uh, it's, it's probably, if, if there's any series that kind of talks a lot about the roots of Trillium, this is it. And you know, I'm sure we'll, we'll dig, we'll dig deep into this sometime, like after we're done talking about GameStop and blockbuster <laughs> Shares.
0: It was, but, oh, did I screw
3: that up? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was later in the segment, but we'll come back to it, I'm sure. Um, but, but the cool part about this is, uh, you know, we have a, a, a passion for local ingredient, and uh, we use a lot of local ingredient, local grain, uh, in the production of our beers. And this whole this whole series was built around using, um, in, this, in this case, for this beer, it's a Pilsner malt from Valley Malt, I think last year I was just looking at a stat. Um, we we used like 500 tons from Valley mall and uh, that I might be off a little bit on that number. Uh, but then we also use crystal hops and this beer from four star farms, another local uh, uh, hop farm to us up here in, in New England. And so the, the series we've done a couple of these and they've all just kind of been rooted in these outdoor essentials. So we've done pen knife, we've done torch, we've done hatchet, um, and the concept all along here has been, we're trying to kind of think back, harken back to that concept of you're in the outdoors. What are these kind of core 10 essential type items that you need? These loggers are all slightly different. They all have kind of a slightly different kind of, uh, flavor and hot profile, but the central piece to it is really just using a local ingredient, which is a lot of, a lot of what, we're, what we're about. So awesome. Welcome, welcome to pen Knife.
1: <laughs> cheers, cheers,
0: everybody. Cheers. I, think the, yeah. I think this might be the first lager that I've had from Trillium.
1: It's
3: it's we we make a lot of lager, and uh, it's it's one of those those styles that I think a lot of people obviously don't think about. You know, go, ah, oh, Trillium man, they're they're cranking out the loggers. Um, you know, it's it's usually more of the the hazy IPAs or pastry stouts or things along that line, but. Our lager program I know that myself most of the the staff the brew staff it's when's the next batch of Pilsner coming out you know when's the next essential coming out like we we drink a lot of lager and uh, but when this guy this guy just came out last week and was like okay I gotta get I gotta get my case I got to restock the beer fridge and this will hold me over until Pilsner comes out in a few weeks and then restock the fridge it's it's, it's essential you need it
1: <laughs>
0: Do you see that coming back a little bit more? I feel like the loggers are, are coming back into fashion. I called it like three years ago, and I feel like it hasn't quite come back all the way yet. But I still feel like there's definitely an uptick in the interest of at least of just these styles,
3: without a doubt. Um, and and I think you can you can see it as well too in you know the the number of breweries that are successful now that focus on logger. You know, and, and I think of breweries like Schilling or Notch. Um, we we had uh, the guys from Kent Falls uh, in in the brewery today, uh, working on a another uh, another lager collab that's going to be coming out probably in about eight weeks from now, six eight weeks from now after after it's it's done and had had some time to sit in the horizontal tanks. But yeah, I mean, lager is is a there's a, a great logger craft bar in, in Pittsburgh called Lorelei. And I was hanging out with them last February about this time. And their whole thing is, is lager. And uh, I remember hanging out with Pete, the owner there. And it's kind of a funny story. Like it was, we were, I did a tap takeover early in the evening, came back and the power went out the place was packed. And he's like, oh, don't worry about it. The taps are still working. we got plenty of lager. And it was, it was just one of those, like, you know, great craft beer moments, like packed, <laughs> packed tap bars to all of us sitting there in the dark, you know, using like our iPhones to kind of light things up for, you know, a couple hours drinking lagerly. And it was, it was, it was great.
1: So. That's awesome. That's uh yeah, definitely an awesome experience. I'm sure. Um, so if, if we don't mind everybody that's out there watching, do me a favor in the comments, make sure that you say hi, let us know that you're watching. And if you're sipping on something, make sure you let us know what you're drinking. What we always do with new guests is we want to try to get to know your craft beer history. Um, Obviously, being in the industry, you're probably a big uh, craft beer fan also. What was your earliest craft beer experience, you know, maybe that gateway beer that got you into it, um, that that kind of started that passion? Sure, great question. so my background, I grew up in the West
3: coast and grew up in San Francisco. And, uh, so the, you know, kind of the benefit I had, you know, and this was, you know, mid, mid nineties or so when I was starting to, I was approaching legal age and was getting here, just getting here, just a beer. Like, um, you know, the, the, the common beer that was obviously around was always Sierra Nevada pale ale. Mm-hmm. And I know that's kind of the, the, the gateway for so many. And it's kind of a boring answer. Uh, but I'd say shortly after that, for me, it was it was actually Anchor Christmas Ale, and you know the regular Anchor Steam was great, but the Anchor Christmas was that beer that I was like, wow, holy smokes, you can, you can actually do a lot with beer, and you know it, it's spicy, it's it's hoppy, it's you know rich, like, and I remember like that that's that beer has stuck with me to this day uh, as. I can't get I can't get through a year, certainly can't get through the holidays, without like going and tracking down my six pack of Anchor Christmas, like. And it's it kind of although the recipe changes every year, it's like that first one. I'm like, yep, I'm home again, you know. And uh, I think from there, it's I, I had the benefit of living in Colorado for about six years. Not too long after that, and same thing. Like you just you introduced these different like at that time local regional breweries that were. Growing and doing cool stuff, and obviously people know New Belgium and certainly Fat Tire, which you know has gone bananas and gone everywhere. But I remember that was also some of the first times that I tried kind of Belgian style ales, you know, and their black ale like fifteen fifty four and Dubel and some of those. And I'm like, okay, this is this is kind of starting that exploration for me that I want to try more styles more than just a pale ale or you know, a uh a from Pyramid
1: or something like that. Sure. Yeah, those are um, fantastic beers. I, I swear we get we, we do get that answer a lot. I feel like um the Sierra Nevada Pale ale, you know, was was, was, was is, is a common answer for us that we get from from our guests. It's one of the it's one of the oldest, so it certainly makes it
3: and, and obviously, you know, from a uh accessibility standpoint, you know, it's everywhere. Sure. Um, but and I think the cool part about it is that those guys knock it out of park with quality. And uh, uh, myself and a bunch of guys on our team, we were, we were talking this year about their uh, celebration ale this year, you know, their holiday ale. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of became a running joke for us. It was like, you know, Phil, what are you drinking tonight? Sierra celebration. <laughs> Matthew, what are you drinking tonight? <laughs> Sierra celebration. And, you know, it was just, it, you know, it, everybody kind of wants, wants to find that kind of, clean palate cleansing reset type beer. And I think for, for me over the holiday season I was like, this is, this is easy drinking and good, you
1: know? Yeah. Well, tell me, tell me about your, um, how you got into the industry. You know, I'd, I'd love to hear about what the director of marketing entails and, and things like that, what you do with, with the guys at Trillium, but, um, how did you get into the industry and eventually end up with Trillium? Uh, sure. So,
3: my background has always been in in marketing. Um, I have a very, you know, I'll, I'll abbreviate this as much as I can, but uh, growing up on out on the West Coast uh, in college, my, myself and a, a group of friends started a, a small software company and it was based in the outdoor rec industry and we made mapping software for people to plan hikes and backpacking trips and that kind of stuff. And uh company kind of grew and there were, there were a lot of us, it was a small team, but we ended up uh, selling the business to national geographic in uh, July of 2000 and went to work for Nat Geo in their global publishing division and uh, working, working on mapping products and video and that kind of stuff, but always on the marketing side. And so a lot of my background is, you know, tech marketing, digital marketing at that time, kind of the beginning of social media marketing. And, uh, uh, but always kind of with this slant of publishing and that, that career moved me from San Francisco to Denver and then eventually, uh, out to the East coast. And, uh, I, I met my wife and, uh, ended up moving to Boston after a long distance relationship between Denver and Boston. It was a lot of quality United miles and uh moved out to moved out to the boston area and you know craft beer had always been kind of this staple thing it was part of my career and i traveled around a lot for work and i've been to 49 or 50 states and when i'd be done with work at the end of the day it was where's the cool local brewery where's the craft beer bar where's the you know the restaurant that has the good beer list because i was just hunting and trying like what's what's different and uh Living out in Boston, we decided we're like, okay, you know, after a couple of, a couple cold winters, and we we have uh, we have a daughter, and she was she was about four, and we're like, enough of this, we're going south, we're going like everybody else, we're gonna we're gonna go down to Tampa, and we're gonna live in Florida, and we're, we're gonna get our, our I'm gonna get my sunburn on, and she's gonna get her tan on, but it's gonna be great, and uh, so we went down there for. For three years, and I was working with a local publishing company down there. And I finished up a, a contract job, and I lived down the street from uh, this independent craft brewer. And I got to know the owners there and got to know the staff there pretty well, and because uh, I was spending a lot of quality time there. <laughs> and started started talking to one of the head one of the head brewers. There, this guy um, Doug Clark, and I just said, you know, hey, I, I'd really be stoked if at some point I could. You know, volunteer. I've I've always loved craft beer. I, I don't I don't know much about this. I'm, I'm a terrible home brewer. That's not my forte. Um, and uh, he and this other guy, John Rankin, uh, kind of brought me in under their, under their wing and and uh, put me on the unpleasant end of a packaging line and spent a lot of quality time picking and packing four packs and and loading cases and getting sprayed with beer and sweeping floors and doing all the messy stuff. And, and, uh, I did that for about six months and it was, uh, it gave me a whole new appreciation for the fact that I think a lot of people kind of have this vision of, I'm going to get into craft beer and it's going to be awesome. And I'm going to be finishing a beer and staring at it in the light at the end of every day. (laughs) (laughs) It's very romantic. And then you kind of realize, yeah, this is this is, this is hard work. It's sweaty work. Um, and I, I was kind of at a point where I was looking for, to do something new. I kind of, kind of felt like I gotten just burned out. And, uh, Dave Doble, the owner of Tampa Brewing Company, one day I'm, I'm down at the end, end of the, end of the wild goose, just cleaning stuff up. And he's like, Dyer. he's like, Hey, come up here and go upstairs to the office. And he's like, it's so like, you know some of this marketing stuff, right? And I'm like, yeah, that's most of my career. And he's like, well, I want to start bouncing some ideas off you. And uh, a couple – a couple. it wasn't long after that, and he's like, hey, you know, hey, we, we want to bring you on to kind of run run our marketing and help us rebrand and uh, kind of bring things together. And uh, so took that job, and I uh, helped Tampa Brewing Company kind of re- rebrand themselves and kind of ran their sales and marketing team for about another year and a half, and then uh, – my wife's job brought us back up to Boston, and uh, I, I had I had reached out to, to JC and Esther at, uh, at Trillium. I had been a, 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 a fanboy, like, like uh, a lot of us are, and uh, I ended up interviewing for a job that I did not get, and then uh, did some more work with the Tampa Brewing for about another 9-10 months, and... The uh, marketing director position popped up, and I was like, called them up again, put in my resume, and uh, I, I, I guess you know, second, second
1: time's a charm in this case. So uh, here, here I am. <laughs> so, uh, how long have you been with them all together now? Uh, it's 14 months. So, okay. yeah, 14 months. Yeah. Awesome. That's um, it's an interesting. Interesting background. I mean, I, I'm very curious about that uh, that app. I mean, you know, are you, you, you know your uh, your what we, your mapping software? Is that what you would call it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Back- I mean, this is old I school was CDs. CDs. <laughs> I, was say that. I think you said the year 2000 when you sold it to Nat Geo. I mean, that was uh, pretty early on. That's that's interesting. Yeah. Well, I
3: mean, this, was, this was this is old school boxed software. Like, right? You would go to pump you, you know, like, like you get an REI on the outdoor rec side, but then you go like, you know, the Fry's electronics or something like that and be like in a box on a shelf, like old school.
1: Oh, That's, <laughs> that's so wild. Well, I mean, I guess, um, well, I think the first thing we should do is talk about this beer a little bit. Um, I'd like to try to break it down and um, talk about it before we move on. I'm loving it. Yeah. By the way. It's got an interesting nose. I can't tell exactly. Yeah, you picking up. I don't know, because, I mean, you get, like, that normal, like, you usually you can get that, I, I don't know what you would call it, but the the, the usual nose off of a lager. I don't know if it's usually it's more funny. than hops. But there's something a little.
0: There's a like, little spice, just a, a, a smidge in there that I'm getting
1: from the smell. I don't know if I want to call yeah. it coral or citrus. It's, like, something. I don't know.
3: So this is so the, this beer uh, was actually brewed at our Four Point uh, location, Four Point Brewery, um, aged uh, aged on on oak uh, fooders. and it's it's actually a blend two batches, and so you're getting some of that you know unique character from wood that you wouldn't get if this thing was sitting in you know clean stainless, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think they, talking to JC last weekend about this beer. Um, the, the thing that, that we kind of kept coming back to is that it's got kind of a tea like flavor, mm. you know, like, uh, like a, like a black tea or almost like a, you know, kind of a Lipton tea. Yes,
1: um, it does. Yeah.
3: And it's, it's got a little bit of that kind of dry, uh, you know, nice kind of palate cleansing, but it's, it's kind of cool. Like if you, if you think about it from kind of aroma, nose, kind of initial kind of wave of tea in the front, and then you get that very traditional kind of rounding off on the palate of like, then you're just in the longer, you know, it's, it just nice, clean finish. Kind of, and it, it leaves a, enough for me that I kind of feel like there's a, there's a hint of, a, of bitterness that like makes you want to go back. Cause you're just like, okay, now, now my palate's just a little bit dry. I just want to like wet it again. And, um, and using, you know, American noble hops, like it had, you definitely get some of that character that you're talking about where there is some nice, aroma to it there's some depth to it it's it's uh, it's by no means a uh, you know watered-down beer I mean or, or something that just doesn't have any character or flavor to it
1: no it's this thing packs flavor for sure it I, I don't know it's so funny because when some people tell you that you're tasting this I'm sure you that's exactly what you're gonna think but but I do like that tea description because yeah. that, that does that's what it uh, reminds me of.
2: I was like stumped. I was like, I can't understand what this taste is. Like, I just know that it's light, crisp, and refreshing. And and yep. as soon as you said tea, it was like that's right on the it's nose. It. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I, really just, I, I
3: didn't want to come out and say it because you're right. I mean, there's that psychology thing. I tell yeah, you, oh, right. it tastes like Tabasco sauce. And you're like, oh
2: yeah, I can pick <laughs> it up. <I> <laughs> oh, that's good. John tries that with, with me all the time with chocolate stouts. Oh, this is a chocolate stout. I'm like, no, it's not. No, it's so not. So
1: uh, Mike, you know, I always have to tell people or try to, but Taylor is, is the not beer guy. He's, he's starting to become one, but um, he's the producer, the podcast engineer guy. That's more his thing. And uh, Mr. Steve and I are the, the, the beer guys.
2: I'm along for the ride.
1: He's just there for the ride, but but he, great ride. he's being it's, converted little by little.
2: My my glass isn't a lie. It does say I love beer, and, and I I'm I, I'm past coming around on it. You know what I mean? I do love it, and this is it's been a, I feel like it's been a while since we've had a lager on this show, so this is very good.
3: Yeah. something a little different. Yeah, yeah. So the the cool part, like I said about about the series, kind of early on, is that each one is different. Each one has a different kind of vibe flavor aroma the uh the one that came out in this series right before this was torch um and the icon was kind of an old school like flashlight so torch meaning like old school like big diesel like crazy old school yeah, flashlight thing. and yeah exactly and, that's, and uh that beer uh our our director of q a and q c uh this guy Burke uh, worked and studied in Germany for a very long period of time. And he's, he is an incredibly particular uh, guy and uh, in exceptionally talented. And uh, you know, it's, it's rare that you ever see him like feel satisfied with a product. I mean, I think that's one of the things that that we, uh, we can kind of strive to is like, we're always trying to improve, always trying to improve. Like everything is good, but we can always do better. And, he, uh, he came back and he was like, this, this is, this is a really good, this is a really good mark." And you know, it's like, and, and Burke is not one to, to garner a whole lot of, like he, he, his eyes kind of lit up a little bit and I was like, yeah, okay. This, this, this had to be good. And it was, just great. I quickly plowed through a case of that beer and wish I had more.
1: <laughs> I believe it. Phil. <laughs> Shout out Phil, um, good buddy, asking for hops. It looks like on the can it says Crystal Hops from Four Star Farm.
3: That's correct. That is correct.
1: So, Mike, can you speak at all? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm sure you know a lot more than us about the history of the company, um, even though, you know, sure. maybe you weren't around at the beginning, but. Um, I'm really curious to know what it was like when Trillium started, you know, how far along was the haze craze and, um, you know, what was the mission when they were starting out and how did they evolve and, and, and hit their stride and become, um, you know, the, the the sought after, you know, beer company that they are today.
3: Sure. Um, so Esther and JC, uh, Tatro are the owners and founders of Trillium. Um, It's they two incredibly talented, passionate, driven people. And I think their, their vision for what they wanted to accomplish with Trillium, you know, even, even before the the first day of opening up, um, you know, is, is a huge testament to where we are today because of just their, 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 their ability to see purpose and where they want to be five, 10 years down the road at any given time, um, has really helped us, uh, propel. um, you got to roll back to, you know, 2011, 2012 when they were kind of first, you know, put it this concept and, uh, you know, JC, um, uh, I, I don't know how the exact dates, right, but there was a period of time where he was big into ice cream and there was a whole lot of home ice cream making. And then that turned into homebrewing. And like he was, when he's all in, he's all in. So it went from the ice cream to, to homebrewing beer. Uh, Some, some transition point in there. And uh, when he, when he was, uh, uh, had gotten to a point where, you know, he's talking to Esther and about what they wanted to do in life. And both of them were, had very successful professional careers. And uh, you know, Esther with an MBA from Bentley and had just started a, a fitness business in Boston and uh jc was uh working for a pharmaceutical company doing kind of sales and project management and uh they decided this is this is not what they want to be doing with their life and and i think one thing that i'd say about jc is very uh creative you know very much like the, the two of them balance each other really well Esther is like the driven business person jc is the creative product you know guy and uh so they had the vision for, for Trillium. And, and back at that point, like there were, there were not very many craft breweries in Massachusetts. The laws weren't very favorable. They were strict. Uh, and they identified this small little place. Uh, I want to say it was a little under 3000 square feet in the four point neighborhood of Boston. And uh, that's you know, just, just South of the financial district. And they bootstrapped the whole thing together and they, they had gotten to the point that they were basically on the edge of, you know, they'd sunk in their life savings and everything else to kind of get the brewery up and going. And we're dealing with delays in the city and everything else for permitting. And we're kind of down to their 11th hour, uh, when when permitting finally came through and, uh, that, that little tap room, which is near and dear to my heart. It was my first introduction to Trillium. Um, it's the the weird thing about it was it they could only sell beer to go mm-hmm.
1: there
3: was no sampling there was no drinking there was no taps there was no nothing like it was it was kind of like a closet with two doors on either side and, and it could fit probably about yeah, it, really on a pack day maybe eight to ten people in a line and so people would line up on a on a release day like around the corner and you'd get shoveled in and kind of march laterally along the bar and place your order and they'd load you up and you'd laterally go out the other door on their side and and that was it and uh i used to sit at a at a a hotel about three parking lots away and would sit there on twitter and wait for them to post like (laughs) if they're going to open and what was available that day Yep. And then you, I'd start my trek across the parking lot. And you'd start to see like people coming out of the other buildings in the neighborhood. Like, <laughs> it's like, Oh, the message is out. You got to quickly now get across the parking lot and get in line. And so that it was, oh, and, and yeah, it, it was, I mean, at that point, this was, this was kind of the early thing. This was, you know, uh, you know, Hetty Hetty was out, you know? And so mm-hmm. there was that kind of that, that world of haze that was out there. Um, but Trillium was, was you know, in that first batch, but not, you know, it, you know the first by any means. Um, I think where JC really started to develop um, a unique approach was developing House Strain. He was very interested in developing a modern New England farmhouse brewery. It, it wasn't intended to be a, uh, a hazy IPA clone brewery. That wasn't like the goal. It was the concept was always this vision of a brewery that was using local ingredient that ideally someday in the future, that there would be a farm aspect where ingredient could be grown and used in the beer, um, that it was this full community. And it doesn't, didn't quite look like that in 2013 when it was a 3000 square foot, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of bombed out corner place, you know, with, with a bunch of, you know, Dudes lined up down the street waiting to take home seven fifties in a box. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's, it, uh, the, the vision was there and it's, it's cool now looking back on it eight years later, uh, eight year anniversaries in March. And, uh, the, the farm is now in place. The locations are now in place. Um, and this series, you know, that, that we're drinking right now is close to that vision of, you know using local ingredient you know creating a a local product you know that, that kind of works with local uh producers um the collab i mentioned early on today that that, that we have the guys from kent falls in is the first trillion beer that used locally grown that uh, used ingredient grown on our farm um we we grew dent corn this year down in connecticut we Brought it up. We milled it on site, and it, it's it's into this logger that's that's uh, now resting comfortably in the tank. Um, so it's it's cool to kind of see that full transition take place over over a relatively short period of time, you know, eight years. So it's it's kind of a long one to say. These, these have come a long way since a little corner shop in 2013. You that's know, crazy. and there's a lot of stops
1: along the way since then. <laughs> Do you remember a time though when like it just you know, I, I'd be curious to know when, you know, the we say JC and Esther look at each other, like, holy shit, like this, this is exploding. You know, we, we, you know, um, when they knew that it was as successful as we know it is, I would say, you know, if he, if,
3: if JC was here on the show right now, um, he'd probably say that it's like, that happens, you know, frequently, you know, it happens every day. Holy shit. This is happening. You know, pretty, pretty humble dude. Um, I think if you look back historically, like uh, 2014, late 2013, 2014, somewhere in there, the, the Street Series beers, the next, next old one we're going to crack into, um, you know, the original beers were named after the neighborhood streets around, exactly. So that's Meltry Street. Congress Street yeah. was the street that the original brewery was on. And uh, some of these early uh, beer festivals that were taking place in New England, JC brought a batch of Congress Street, double dry hop Congress Street, to the uh, Public House, uh, which is a just really well known craft beer bar uh, in Boston. And uh, that beer quickly kind of elevated the uh, awareness. Uh, of trillium like that that was one of those like holy crap these guys are creating awesome beer here in boston this is something special and that that was a pinnacle moment and then i think if if you looked beyond that is that street series kind of built out with congress street four point pale ale those two kind of being the originals that like set the bar for uh, Trillium, there's still the beers that like when we release Four Point Pale, when we release Original Congress Street, uh, you know, they, they're the ones that even though comparatively today to some of the crazy stuff that we're putting out there, you know, double dry hop, you know, yeah. triple IPAs, quad IPAs, those type of things. These are the beers that like people come back for because they were the ones that much like we talked about that gateway beer, this uh-huh. might have been their gateway into something It was very exploratory for them in craft beer. Sure. And I think that's, you look back at that time frame, because then it went from Congress Street to our production brewery in Canton. And that was a game changer. You know, then it's, they move into cans. The volume increased dramatically. Spring forward, I had a couple more years. We have an opportunity to go back to Four Point, and we open our Four Point restaurant and tap room. That's, you know, three stories and kind of that, you know, getting a little bit closer to that uh, New England farmhouse recipe that was laid out early on. Sure. Then we have an opportunity to open Fenway. So we opened Fenway, which is this super cool, modern greenhouse looking uh, taproom brewery in the Fenway district. Then we purchased the farm in North Stonington, Connecticut, where the dent corn just came from that went into the collab today. And uh, now, now we're looking at, at opening what we call Forever Home, uh, which is kind of the the, the final evolution. Um, and uh, that, that'll be later this year. We're, we're excited about that. What is that? Where is that? So Forever Home will be in Canton. Uh, we actually just posted a uh, first job to post there, which is a executive chef position. Um, but this will be one of the uh, largest uh, kind of destination breweries uh, on the East Coast, um, wow. and uh, we purchased two years ago the old Reebok headquarters, and it's a twenty-eight acre <laughs> campus, and uh, it'll it'll have all the have all the nice bells and whistles for for someone to come plan a visit to.
1: Man, I love I will f- open the f- summer Canton. That sounds awesome. I I haven't made it down to Fenway or to um you know, to, to, the uh, four points, because I mean, it's just, I I always just don't want to go into town when when I'm going, I'm usually heading to one of the the suburbs or going up to Maine or somewhere, you know, further up North. So I try to stay away and and loop around and stay outside of of Boston, but, um, I'm excited to, or hear about the Canton thing. Um, a couple questions I want to pop up on the screen here, quick. Uh, our buddy yeah. Brett, um, what are the chances of a Boston Marathon beer name suggestion? Boylston Street. I think would fit. It's
3: definitely a fit. Uh, you know the you know the street the street beers are are, are certainly a, a clear line for us, right? We've, we've got numerous ones. Um, we uh, I, I'm pretty darn confident that our, our friends at Boston Beer, Sam Adams, do a Boston Marathon beer, like mm-hmm. the official one. So, it's not that we couldn't do a tribute beer to the Boston Marathon or something, but they've got like the official official one. I can't remember what it's called. Um, Brent will
0: do, tell us what it's called. He's run the, uh, I know he's run it at least once, if not a couple oh, right
3: times.
1: on Four or five times maybe. So,
3: so we have uh, I, I can I can shamelessly plug it. So we do a uh, we do a 5K every year uh, for as part of our philanthropic efforts uh, for Family Reach, which is a uh, national organization that helps uh, families dealing with a cancer diagnosis like kind of overcome the financial burdens of it. Um, this year we had like everybody else had to adjust how we do 5Ks, and so we did a virtual version of it in June. Um, and had a little over a thousand people participate across the country, a few international. Did it again in the fall. Um, it's going to be coming back again this this coming June. Um, so, folks anywhere, PA, New Jersey, you name it, um, you can register and run um, and get some cool swag out of it. And uh, we do a beer uh, typically every year for that called Running Naked, which is a uh, if I remember, it's a Hellas. Uh, but it's nice Chris Hellas I remember. Yeah, for, I mean,
1: for sure. Man, I gotta say, it, it, it kind of threw me th- for a throwback when you were talking about those bombers. When when Trillium started, was everything bombers? I mean, I, if, yeah. I, I remember when we had our first. When I, I'm my first Trillium for sure. I remember just hearing about it, the buzz people were talking about it. I can't remember what year it had. I'm pretty sure it was before we started the the beer shares, Steve. And um, I, I found out that like my buddy's sister was going to school in Boston and he was going to visit her. And I was like, I don't know if you can do it. I don't know where it is. I don't know how it works, but like find me some Trillium. And he brought me back a Congress street bottle and yeah. I remember popping it and I think I shared it with my buddy, Joey K. And, um, I remember having that, uh, that moment and, and it's happened a few times, not to knock Trillium at all, but you know, as you evolve and try new things, as you're exploring craft beer, you you have a beer yeah. and it's like, Holy crap, this is the best beer I've had so far. And, yeah, and one of them, cause I hadn't had anything like it. I'm sure I've, I had had, you know, um, I had a topper and and was trying all the the crazy hoppy stuff that we were doing around here. Um, you know, probably some tired hands was was coming up and, sure. and had a couple of those and and then having this Congress Street was like nothing else and it was such yeah. a cool experience. I, and I remember that thick dark glass bottle. Yep. Oh, man. Yeah, it's
3: funny. We uh, yeah, it, everything was in bottles up until uh, we went to Canton. You know, so that was two thousand. December of 2015 is when the Camden production brewery opened. And uh, we, we actually, we, we did a batch of Congress street last fall and we just thought it would be kind of a cool throwback that we, we ran wasn't a lot. I think we ran maybe 20 or 25 cases uh, in the seven fifty bottles, you know, just this last fall is kind of a, you know, Hey, we're all dealing with a really crappy year. Let's try to remember like good times. And, and we did that. And, and we quickly remembered why, it's so much better to be in cans now because carrying around a case of seven fifties is not a, a fun or positive experience. No. And, uh, it, it, it reminded me just, I saw a post the other day on our Instagram feed that, that someone had shared of the trunk of his car that probably had seven, six or seven cases of seven fifties, seven fifties, like loaded in there. And like the picture of him is just like covered in sweat. Cause he had obviously been carrying like, two or three at a time down the crappy streets and, and four point. And yeah. So
1: cans are great. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember? And I, I think it like that transition happened during our bottle shares.
0: It definitely did. Cause I don't know if you remember who was, it was your boy that bought, that brought the bomber. Like it was like a year and a half, two years old. Oh yeah, remember. yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's what it was.
1: Yeah. Duma brought the Is that a Congress street.
0: It might have been a Congress Street.
1: brought the oldest bottle. It, uh, yeah, he's like, "Oh, I've been saving it for you," but it was like a year and a half old. Uh, <laughs> but, but I remember that. Yeah, I remember that transition happening where we were getting bottles at the share, and then all of a sudden it turned yeah, to and cans. And we were excited, yeah. And then Dumont shows up with the bottle, and we were like, "Man, they haven't they haven't bottled in a long time, <laughs> a long time. Long this- at least
3: IPAs. I mean, we." We obviously still bottle all the time, you know, whether it's stouts or wild ale's or, or those type of things, but the, the the hoppy beers are not going into bottles.
0: <laughs> yep. And that's the right move. <laughs> sure. is, thank you. <laughs> did, you talk? did you crack did yeah. you crack number two there, John?
1: Yes, sir. Melcher Street, right? Got, yeah, Melcher. Yep. Got it. Uh oh. <laughs> You got the cats. (laughs) Cats in the shot. I don't think it's, I mean, I saw the picture that you guys have on the website for Melcher Street, so I'm pretty sure it's not, but I get a ton of pineapple on the nose, but I I think there's mango in the picture.
3: Uh, Let's see. I'm trying to remember what Phil put in that one. It's a blue background. Um,
0: I definitely get mango. I definitely get grapefruit. yeah.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, the cool part about the Street Series beers, they all use the same base grist, like, which is awesome. And then the beer themselves change with whatever the, the profile hop is. You know, so Melcher Street is all mosaic. This is mosaic all day long. Um, like A Street, which is, uh, we give uh, my boss, Ryan, a hard time about this since he's a big fan of Amarillo is all Amarillo, um, you know, Congress street, uh, you know, galaxy, and you, you kind of go down, the, go down the line. Uh, and you know, it's, it's interesting too, because I think some people forget that, you know, hops are a natural product and, you know, it, it, it blows my mind sometimes where people are like, okay, I, you know, I remember this beer being, you know, more, you know, tropical I got more papaya last time or more mango or whatever else I mean I I wish that I had the mental memory to remember every beer I've had (laughs) you know things things change right and you know it's like some years uh certain hops just boom you know that hop lot that year the conditions in the pacific northwest or wherever that hop was from were just like ideal and just like with wine right you know this vintage turned out fantastic because the temperature and everything was perfect that season. And I think that's, that's what you see some years. It's like the, the mosaic beers that we're putting out right now are just bright. And, you know, I, I get the same thing you're talking about. I get pineapple, I get some passion fruit. Um, the aroma on it is just, um, you know, I get like a grapefruit pithiness, you know, a little bit of that kind of grapefruit, like almost rhyme, like you're almost kind of peeling it back because the, that that citrus zest. Um, but just a nice rounded flavor um, in particular. I, I think the other beer that that uh, uh, I, I've got one in my my fridge here, it's drinking great right now. It's one of the ones we ship to PEA is uh, DDH Uppercase, and that's got three different uh, hops in it, but the same thing, just, just almost explosive aroma out of the can, and uh, uh, a lot of those tropical fruit uh, aromas and, and esters coming through. Taylor, what do you think?
2: I love it. Uh, I was getting ready to ask you, John. Uh, what's my trillium experience on this show?
1: Have I had trillium before? Probably not a lot. I, I'm. Sh- I don't I know. I think
0: we did a stout, but I don't know if we had any IPAs.
1: Okay. We, I, I feel like we've definitely done.
0: I think we did a aguado. Is that what it's called? I feel yeah. like
2: I feel like usually, um, for me, my experience with IPAs is that the bitterness just overwhelms everything. And this, to me, the fruit really shines through. The, the flavors really shine through. It's not overly bitter, and it's still refreshing to me. I don't really find IPAs all that refreshing to my palate. I find them kind of abrasive. But this is like easy going, very, very easy to drink, um, hot day, cold day, whatever. This is a very good, flavorful beer.
1: Yeah, lots of citrus, a lot of fruit, and probably yeah, a low I, a uh, IBU probably, As soon right? as
2: I smelled it, I was like, this is going to be yeah. good. And it, it didn't let me down at all. It's very, very flavorful.
1: Yeah. Let's get into the Pennsylvania shipping. So um, we, we always say, like, we must be – I don't know what it is about the Philadelphia market, but we feel like we're the luckiest beer market on the planet because we constantly get incredible distribution – You know, places that are popular all over the country always end up finding a way to get beer in our market. So we feel very, very lucky about it. Um, Our buddy Brian just opening his first delivery yesterday. Um, Thank you, Brian. Lots of uh, lots of deliveries, man. The the local social media pages have been putting up pictures of uh, opening up their Trillium boxes. So it's very exciting um, what made you guys decide that PA was a good decision? And um, what's up with the laws?
0: <laughs>
1: we made it to 50
3: minutes and 46 seconds. I was, I, I, I was waiting for this one. <laughs> um, uh, so let's start with uh, how, how we got to shipping beer. Um, because that's, uh, that it, it, it's, it's out of our normal by far. Um, and obviously I think, you know, a lot of breweries, uh, you know, this, this year I've had to, I hate using the word pivot cause I'm so sick of it at this point, but we had to find other way, other, other ways to sell beer. And for us in March, when we uh, closed our tap rooms and shut down onsite service, uh, originally for us, it was how do we continue to get beer to our customers in a safe, uh, and efficient, efficient way. And, uh, so back in March, we launched home delivery, uh, which we kind of affectionately called Trilivery, mm-hmm. uh, in the state of Massachusetts. And cause we had a fleet of trucks that we were, you know, moving beer back and forth between our locations. We have a great facilities team and a great transport team. And, uh, this is actually kind of under my, you know, bailiwick, my team and group of people on the, on the ops and marketing side, we we put in some late, late hours and we converted our, our point of sale system into a way to take online orders for home delivery. And so we, we did that over the course of the summer throughout Massachusetts and uh, it, it was great. It it's not only did it obviously kind of help keep the lights on and pay bills, which is an important, important thing. Um, But it also able to able us to get beer into new corners of the state that we weren't able to get to before, you know, that that someone out in the Berkshire someone out in Cape Cod, you know, that that might be 90 minutes away uh, was now able to come and get beer uh, or or order it and have it delivered, you know, have that delivery truck pull up out front. Um, We, we started kind of looking at, you know, other States, we don't use wholesale distributors. We do not distribute beer. Like, you can't go to a restaurant, you know, we've in in Massachusetts and find trillium draft.
1: Um, I can think have, of a place though. We I have like out, ten. Okay, yeah, I I love oh, little place in Worcester, Armsby Abbey. I found out about it like ten years okay. ago, and every chance I get, I slide in there for lunch or dinner when I'm yeah, traveling, yeah. it's just the most fun you can have at a place like just because you walk in and, and they've got Trillium. Um, the Vermont guys are, are um, the way up North Vermont guys. The Alchemist.
3: Are, oh, uh, Hill farmstead.
1: Hill farmstead. Yeah. Just like three Hill farmsteads on the, on the tap list. Uh, incredible food, really cool little place. But, um, but yeah, I, I was always excited because I mean, you're right. Like, like you're saying you can't get Trillium anywhere. Pretty much, unless you go to Trillium. Yeah, and you certainly can't get package.
3: I mean, we've got this this handful, this this collection of what I'm just going to call like friends, yep. like Armsby or Public House or Row Thirty Four, mm-hmm. that are you know friends with JC and Esther that have been there since the beginning. And you know, we, we when we have draft, which unfortunately we don't have right now, you know, they would have a line, and they will have a line when we we're, we're back open again. Um, so we started exploring, you know, like with, with people stuck at home, you know, we're, we're used to, you know, normal, normal conditions, which is when we, we drop beer and we see Pennsylvania license plates, we see New Jersey license plates, we see, you know, New York license plates and with state by state restrictions set up, you know, travel restrictions and everything else for us, it became one, could we logistically do it? could we do it ourselves without engaging a wholesale distribution partner? Because, you know, the, the, one of our big concerns is always, where does our beer sit? Yeah. Is it, is it sitting on a truck? Is it, is it sitting in a warehouse and then where's it going? And, and we want to remove points of contact. Like we want somebody to, get that same level of freshness that they would get if they drove to Canton and got a case, you know, we want to drop it in our house. And the the downside is the laws only allow for about 12 states across the country allow for direct shipment into the state. Each one of those states has different laws and regulations with how you pay taxes on the beer coming in, how much beer can come in, um, some are more lenient than others. Uh, others like Pennsylvania have very strict parameters and you know, for us, we, I, I think wherever we want to go and wherever we set up, you know, PA being the perfect example here, this isn't a, a, a one month trial and let's just dump a whole bunch of beer in the market and then say, peace out. Well, you hope to see you next summer. Like, we want to be able to support this market for the long-term, right? And we want to be able to offer product to Pennsylvania customers for the long term. So we basically have two ways of doing it. Follow the law so that we don't get shut down or not.
1: Cause that's not
3: the rule leave it there.
1: <laughs> for or for Massachusetts coming to PA, right? Like that's anybody shipping in PA is the rule. And, and, what's interesting direct to customer. Direct, i think the important point is direct to customer sure. because
3: i i see you know i see the same forms that everybody else does right and so i see a lot of people will say like they'll use burial as an example well i've got burial shipping direct to my house great burial works with a wholesaler and they work with a wholesaler that is moving beer through them and as a result you know their their relationship might be different like just like if we had signed up a wholesaler based in Pennsylvania, you know, we could ship, you know, pallets of beer to that wholesaler in Pennsylvania and then they could move it into their network or whatever else. But we want to go direct to customer. And, and about- as a result, the TTV laws are pretty tight.
1: Okay. Because I, I'm assuming, and I don't know for sure, but I, I, I ordered um, a case from a brewery out of New York. And the case seemed to be shipped directly to me through fedex and and i think it was fedex um maybe it's ups whatever but either way um I, I had no problem ordering a case and and now that you say that because they also have distribution in the state now is that what opens and is kind of a loophole maybe or I know, I- maybe. maybe i mean there, there, there's certainly there are certainly
3: ways Um, that there, and there are wholesale partners in some states that, that have a relationship set up, kind of a network set up where you could move beer. New York's one of the states where they've got a lot of flexibility to move beer out. They have very little flexibility to move beer in. You can't direct ship to New York. You can't direct ship to New Jersey. You can't direct ship to Connecticut, but you could, we could wholesale beer to New York. And that wholesaler, if they also happen to have a retail license in New York, can then ship from New York to 26 other states. Now, that might be the way that 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 brewery that you're working with is moving around that law. For us, like I said, I mean, we want to make sure that beer, when it leaves Canton and is packed by Keith and his team on Monday, is going directly via the brown trucks to your doorstep you know, and isn't stopping
1: somewhere along the way. So to be clear, we can order three, four packs per month. I think we can place an order a month. And you're not supposed to order the same beer more than once a year? Correct. So I can't get Melcher Street next time. I'll have to try something, maybe. So...
3: Yeah, and and it's and it's not actually an, an important note. And right now it doesn't matter because we're we're only shipping four packs in the PA at this point. But it, it's it's the number of ounces that are actually the important part.
0: It's One ninety two,
3: correct. So you can order from us one hundred and ninety two ounces of beer per month, but only ninety two of it is ninety two or ninety six. Uh, 16 times six, uh, 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 96, only 96 ounces can be of the same brand per year. So I think the part that confuses people, they're like, wow, well, what does that mean? And I'm like, well, we released a little over 250 brands last year. Mm-hmm. So,
2: Just pick something else. You're
3: good. (laughs) I mean, correct. Like the, you know, if you ordered Melcher street in January, you, you cannot order Melcher street again until January of next year. Could you order DDH Melcher street? Yes. Okay. Could you order stilling street? Yes. Uh, DDH. Street. I mean, like the number, the the number of brands that we're putting out is ridiculous. So,
1: yeah. So is that stuff going to continue to be available you know, are you going to constantly put and refresh new new options, new brands?
3: It already is. It, it refreshes literally every day. We, we release beer, new beers, typically three to four days a week. And sometimes that's hmm. three or four beers. Sometimes that's five or six. Um, I think the thing that that uh, we're looking at now and, and behind the scenes, I'm trying to get figured out uh, with our web store is, how to start um, activating some of our bottle offerings. So that would be the stouts or wild ales, yeah. uh, you know, things along that line. Obviously, it still applies into the same number, like your ounce restrictions and your brand restrictions. But, you know, if you want to get your hands on a, you know, a 750 of, you know, a, uh, uh, you know, an imperial stout next month or a wild ale, like th- those options will become available. Dude, that wild sinister kid?
1: That was yeah. one of the craziest things I've ever had. Like I just, I, I remember that just being incredibly intense, unique, tons of things yep. going on, w- little wild, um, yep. dark. If I remember, like chocolatey, almost a little bit, and and some barrel, um, all kinds of stuff. Uh, th- I, I just love that series. I think I had three or four of those. Okay.
3: Yeah. No. And so that's, that's the cool stuff that, that, uh, you know, I think, you know, I, I understand and believe me, I I think if I was living in PA and I was like, okay, I don't get it. You know, Brewery X, you know, I'm ordering two cases of and the stuff showing up on my doorstep, you know, why are these guys only shipping me three, four packs? Like I totally get the the frustration and believe me, we heard all about it. I, I, I think, I think it's, it's the, you know, it, you know, some people might be more risk-averse than others. I think we're probably one of them. We're going to toe the line on whatever, you know, regulation exists for whatever state or whatever commonwealth we go into. Um, we, we have an accounting team. We have a legal team. We're going to do our reporting. We're going to pay our taxes. And so, you know, I, I'll, I'll leave it at that.
1: Yeah, just um, it but yourself. yeah,
3: there there are other ways, you know. That if 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 you're a brewery that is open to working with wholesalers to move mass quantities of beer to a warehouse and then remove it out from there, sure, there you can. I mean, Sierra Nevada is in every state; they don't have a brewery in every state. You know, they're they're wholesaling beer to a distributor in every state, and then that distributor is moving the product within their territory.
2: I would almost think that the the limited amount that you can get would almost entice you to keep going back though and also to keep trying new things, right? Like if you think about it like because you can only get a couple four packs a month, you're not overdoing it on that kind of beer. You 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 can move on to other things, you can go to your regular thing or whatever it may be, but next month I can go back and get more trillium. You know what I mean? And I I think that's actually it for some people it might actually work out. Better for you that way, I think.
3: If certainly, I mean, I think I think the cool part is that you know our knowing our production plan for the rest of the year and knowing what we've got coming out this year, like, I mean, I, I can tell you that there there isn't a month that you're not going to find some really cool beers on the list. There's is really not a week right. that you're not going to find that. Mm-hmm. And you know the 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 first couple weeks is you know, indicative of like what our normal flow is. But when you start thinking about like some of our collab beers, some of our, our you know, once a year type releases that, you know, that that normally someone would not have access to at all, unless they want to get in the car or, you know, maybe they're able to find a friend to, you know, meet them or pick up beers or something like that. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, I, I'm, I, I'm stoked, just the, the the fact that, you know, we're able now to reach customers and, and be able to sit and do shows like this yeah. in, in markets that, yeah, we could have done this conversation two months ago, but people have been like, that's great, you know, I'm on my COVID couch, and I can't get that beer.
1: <laughs> I remember having to do some pretty shameful stuff to get that vitamin C collab. <laughs> Oof wasn't easy. Yeah, you did. don't charge. <laughs> so, I mean, do you, let's say everything goes back to normal in um, the next 10, 12 months. Uh, yeah. Is direct shipment and delivery ready to, like, here to stay? I think direct shipment,
3: most likely. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't want to go out on a limb and say, yes, it's going to last forever because <laughs> – I think we've all gotten burned this year with committing to anything. <laughs> but I just, I just have nothing left anymore. Um, but, but I would say that this is, you know, for us uh, hospitality and I, you know, we were talking about kind of the differences between, you know, Esther and JC, but one of the things that these two share more than anything else, which, which actually makes it a very cool company to work for is this commitment and focus on hospitality and customer service. Like sure. we have a customer service team that works seven days a week covering social, you know, that when somebody has a problem, you know, say their are four pack got dented in shipment, you know, or they're lost trying to find their way to Canton. Like we pride ourselves on the fact that we can get you an answer really damn fast and we'll take care of you. And I think for us thinking about what UPS meant to us to do markets, is the fact that we're now able to provide a level of hospitality, a level of customer service that we couldn't provide easily prior to this. You know, that that's, that's meaningful to us.
1: I feel like I'm seeing more and more breweries expand somehow. Um, and, and you know, these new spaces and these new uh, buildings and, and things like that, um, You know, is everybody hedging on that when this is over, like they are going to need event spaces, they are going to need to do uh, a run, they're going to need to have some kind of themed event and and drink great beer at, you know, is that, is that what everybody's hedging on?
3: Man, I, I think there's a whole lot of people in all levels of hospitality that are really hoping that that's the case. I mean, I, 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 think we in particular feel very fortunate about the position that we're in, um, because we made tough decisions and we, I want to say it again, stand damn pivot word. We pivoted <laughs> and, you know, we, we did the things we needed to do to kind of, to, to keep our vision moving forward. But I, I feel for the industry as a whole. And just seeing the number of either small breweries or bars or restaurants or big ones that have gotten their shit kicked out of them, you know, over over this year. Right. Um, so I hope, you know, my, I think we all hope that there's this, you know, this, this awakening day, you mm-hmm. know, like when, you know, we all decide it's okay and it's safe and, you know, we can leave our couch and
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: go visit our favorite places. Right. I mean, I, I think that's the hope. Um, it, I, I, we, we are cautiously optimistic. Sure. I mean, I, I think, you know, we're, we're kind of planning towards, you know, if we're, if we're back in fall and it starts to feel more like normal, that sure. seems like a more realistic time timeframe, sure. you know, like, and, I think to, to, to more succinctly answer your question, like, you know, are, are people making moves as a result of this? I think the ones that have prepared and have, you know, are thinking long-term and they have a strategy. Yeah. I I see quite a few people like figuring out what are they going to do when they reopen? You know, are they, are they using this time to retool their brew houses? Are they using this time to change their retail spaces are they expanding? Are they opening new locations, or or looking into opening new locations? There's a good number of people doing that, um, but I, I think it's it's still a big hedge bet. I mean, it's not it's not as big as Steve and Blockbuster, but I think I think there's opportunity there.
1: Okay. <laughs> All right. So since we have to wrap up the podcast, um, the the last question I'll ask is: uh, What is um, what is the biggest thing that you're most excited for in the future at Trillium? Oh,
3: easy. It, it's opening this new place. It, it, it's uh, when we open forever home in, you know, uh, you know, early summer. I mean, th- this is it, the, the most exciting thing, I think, is just that culmination of the vision that JC and Esther had back in, 2011 2012 of this true new England farmhouse brewery and that hope that yeah this summer we're going to have you know outdoor music concerts again and we're going to have you know this massive tap room with a restaurant and a brewery and the wild brewery on site and everything else like the, the experience there is going to be it's going to be nuts and uh I, I'm excited to have we, we moved our offices over there uh, back in December, so it's starting to become a reality. Construction is deep at this point. Nice. Um, so it's, it's uh, we're on that, we're, we're now on the downhill slope and we can see the finish line and uh, it's going to be huge. It, it's, it's literally huge, but it's it just that, that, that's the part where I think this sets in for people that this is a great place to come visit.
1: So the next time I'm coming up that way, that's where the offices are. I might shoot you a message. Of course. Absolutely. please do. And hopefully I'm not on my couch. (laughs) (laughs) All
3: right.
1: So, um, Mike, if you're down, we can keep going a little bit here on the live stream. We've got to wrap up the one hour podcast. We're
2: going to do the uh, toast of the week or no.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Let's do toast of the week. Um, toast of the week for me is certainly the undisputed champion. The internet, the internet, is undefeated. Always undefeated. When it wants its way, it gets its way and has its way with whatever it wants. Um, this whole thing going down with GameStop, the stock market. Um, the blockbuster. It, the blockbuster. <laughs> you said it wrong. Has just been in watch. I've taken a deep dive. Um, I can't get, you know, my Robin Hood and um, Webull account set up quick enough to try to get in on some action. We'll see. But yeah, that that's my toast of the week, man. The internet just uh, they they do what they want.
0: To the internet. internet. internet.
2: Good job, internet.
0: Uh, My toast of the week is going out to uh, Mr. Tobias Harris. Oh wow! For hitting the game-winning shot against the Lakers. Wow! Put your glass up. First place Sixers. Let's go.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm also going to go sports related. My uh, the only five-time MVP-winning quarterback in NFL history, the actual goat, Peyton Manning, is up for uh, Hall of Fame induction this year. I'm a new ESPN Plus subscriber. I've been catching up on Peyton places. Peyton's places on ESPN's Plus. Yes. This man is football. Okay. Uh, the MVP is an individual accolade, unlike uh, the team accolade of showing up to the Super Bowls and stuff like that. Peyton Manning, Toast of the Week, first-round <laughs> MVP, uh, MVP uh, Hall of Famer. Peyton Laser Manning. rocket arm. Laser rocket arm throwing ducks. <laughs> <laughs> and and so far, the only, play, the only quarterback in history who went two Super Bowls with two teams. God, I hope Brady doesn't do it because <laughs> then i because then there's no debate i can't argue with anybody anymore the mvps mean nothing and if after that i hear you
1: Peyton man mike you got anything it's okay if i you do don't.
3: go ahead no i got it I, I, this is this is an easy one I, i'm gonna throw out a, a huge thank you to our fans of pa that not only for the last you know I don't even know how long, but certainly the last 30 to 60 days have been blowing up our social saying, ship us the beer. Mm-hmm. But then came through when we actually turned it on. So uh, huge shout out to our fans in PA. <laughs> really, really appreciate it.
1: Well done, Pennsylvania beer fans. Cheers. Taylor, give me that music. Here we go. Mike thank you thank you thank you so much for hanging out with us it was an absolute pleasure you're a fantastic guest keep up the good work i hope um you and trillium keep everything going and uh you know wish you well mr steve taylor as always and everybody that was hanging out with us um please stick around we will probably crack another beer here on the live stream Definitely. that is listening on the podcast platforms thank you for listening and we will see you next time cheers people thank you